BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Freckled Foodie fam, I am so freaking excited to share today's episode because I absolutely fell in love with today's guest. Um, She has been someone I've followed for a pretty long time now. I've always consumed and enjoyed her content, but I had never spoken with her personally or gotten to know her on a deeper level. And we clicked immediately. I, she is amazing. I also just love this interview. I love everything she is doing. Jessamine Stanley is so fucking wise. Um, I want to note really quickly before I dive into everything she's done. The episode definitely just like kind of starts off. You're probably like, wait, what did I skip something? Basically, as soon as we started our Zoom, she was like, how are you doing? And I literally just started crying because um, I wasn't in the best place. I'm also about to get my period tonight, the day that I'm recording this. So I guess I'm extra emotional. And we started talking and we got into topics that I wanted to eventually cover in the episode. And I was like, wait, can can we just literally stop for one second so I can hit record and we can just dive in like this? You know, Dak Shepard, ABR, always be recording. Um, and so this episode definitely just kicks it off with her diving back into what we were talking about. But I honestly kind of like it that way. I hate the whole like, I greet the guests, I talk with the guests, and then I'm like, okay, hit record. I'm like, hi, because we've already said our pleasantries. Anyway, we dive right in. So who is Jessamine Stanley? She is, you may know her already from her Instagram. My name is Jessamine. She's also the co-founder and teacher at the Underbelly Yoga, which is a digital wellness class platform. She is the co-host of the Dear Jessamine podcast, which offers relationship, sex, and lifestyle advice. She has written two books now, Everybody Yoga, Let Go of Fear, Get on the Mat, Love Your Body, and her latest book, Yoke, My Yoga of Self-Acceptance. She is actually also currently working on a third book. She's also the co-founder of We Go High and See, a Southern Cannabis justice organization um, working to increase cannabis access in prohibition states. She is a brand ambassador for Adidas, a Gatorade G-Fit campaign member. She is a black fat activist. She is fucking amazing. She's everything. She's everything and more. Um, This episode takes so many directions. We talk a lot about finding confidence within your body, even within your clothing, body positivity movement, where people have a place in that. Um, we talk about weed. We talk about how really we're all just trying to freaking heal our inner child. We go everywhere. I have nothing but incredible things to say about this person. Really, like, ch- completely changed my day for the better and maybe even week. I told her at the end of the interview, she is what I'm grateful for today. So without further ado, here's Jessamine. Come on in. 
Yeah, so like, I feel like trolling always comes from a place of sadness. Like, Mm -hmm. if you're happy, you don't troll. There's nothing to troll about. And you would be supportive of someone who's going through a hard time. But when you're going through a hard time, sometimes the only way to... It's not the only way to feel good, but people think... We think, I think, I don't want to not it... I think that the only way to feel better is to make someone else feel bad. And so it's usually like whoever the fuck it is. Because I get trolled a lot for a variety of reasons. And it's always some shit where it's like the person, I just think like, damn, you must be having a really bad day. Or like something is up in your life that like nobody gives a fuck about. Nobody cares about you. And you know it. And you're just like, I am the scum of the earth. And then you see this person out here, because I'm like, whoever is trolling you is probably just like you. And they're like, they're like, well, if my life sucks, how could your life be good? And it's just like, nobody said that your life sucks. Nobody said that you suck. You're a good person too. Like, and everybody is figuring their shit out. And we just hold each other to these unrealistically high expectations because we're holding ourselves to unrealistic expectations. Oh man. What a start off. So yes, (laughs) I agree. I honestly feel, I noticed this even personally, and I actually, I did an episode on this, but I feel like when I am the most critical of myself, when I'm doubting myself the most, when I am in the worst headspace, that's when I'll like screenshot something and text it to my friends. Like I'm not trolling in the sense of literally commenting on these people's content. That's a whole different level, but I'll still like, talk shit, which I do Mm -hmm. not like about myself. And it's something I've Mm -hmm. actively been working on in the past year. Um, But then I also realized when I am at my highest level, when things are in flow, when I'm fucking happy, it's like, I don't care what anyone else is doing because I'm satisfied with my life. And I think having that lived experience can sometimes help me see the other side when I'm on the receiving end. Obviously it doesn't completely negate it. As you know, I just cried to you. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my God. No, like I wish that it did negate it, but like it's always some shit. Like I got, so, okay. I, um, have been a part of this really dope Gatorade G fit campaign this spring and it's spring, summer and it's like amazing. So cool. But the place where trolls really come for me is Twitter. And like, they will just, they just like crawl all the way up my ass on there to the point where like, I don't really get on Twitter like that. But one day I did get on there and I was like, I don't even remember what the person said, but I was just like, what the fuck? And it's like, after all these years, like you would think like, what, who cares? Like it's this, it doesn't matter. But I was just like, this person tried it. And so I said some shit back. I don't even remember what, but I just remember immediately afterwards, like the Gatorade official, uh, like, uh, Twitter account, like they said something like, like all love something, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, shit, I slipped. That was the moment. Like, this is what the training was for. Like, don't let it get to you. And it's like, 
it just doesn't, it just, it's, we're all human, I guess. It's like, we're and all I'm human. like, it's okay. Like, and the point of the trolling was to get a rise. And it's like, yeah, you got your rise. It happened. But you know what? It's what you said before too. It's for me. And I speak about this a lot with my therapist, whether it's trolling or whether it's arguing with family members, whatever. And as you brought up, I'm not good with horoscopes, but it evidently is the Virgo in me where I'm like, Mm -hmm. no, no, no. I want to tell you what actually happened. Like, that's actually not right. (laughs) Totally. Literally. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh man. Well, that it's cool to, to be here, like talking nutrition, honestly, because part of what got me about that, um, the comment I remember was somebody saying something about like, it was something about like not being healthy or some shit like that. And I was like in the midst of at that moment, like doing something healthy. And I don't even remember what it was. And just the other day I was at the airport and this woman, I was like um, going through security and I had my yoga mat and this woman who was behind me was like, wow, you're really making me feel something about like how healthy you're being during this trip or something. She said something like that. And I was just like, bitch, if you were in my tw- Twitter comments, you would not know it. Literally, like <laughs> nobody else would say this. And like, You're like excuse I me, like, can I get that on video, please? Right, so like, I can, can you post just, it on would Twitter. You do me a favor, literally, can you just write this down real quick? Because I'm like, there's so many things that I uh, have a desire to like have the right answer about and be like, no, but what you don't know is, and it's mm-hmm. just like, it just doesn't matter. <laughs> And my therapist always says exactly that. Why does it actually matter? What does mm. it matter if something like mm-hmm. what does it matter if someone thinks something about you that is not true or mm. that is different than how you view yourself? And it is a really confusing part of being in a public place on the internet because mm-hmm. you know you can think many things of yourself. You can know yourself as a person. Your friends and family can know you, but a person's going to depict you in whatever way they want to depict you. And at the end of the day, you can't control it. Literally. No so, controlling it. Yeah. It's so the lack of control is really something I struggle with. Oh Virgo. Um, you mentioned people trolling you about not being healthy on Twitter. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people have opinions on your mm-hmm. body size mm-hmm. and maybe to go a step further, your body size in a fitness space. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your emotion when you're feel when you're fielding those types of comments? Similar to how you said they're telling you you're not healthy, but it's like, I'm sorry, are you my doctor? Like you <laughs> right. don't know what the hell is going on here. I mean the the reality of the situation is that, like I have my health shit, just like everybody else has their health shit. And so generally, I think what comes up for me whenever people are trolling me about various health things, like um, like you're uh, promoting obesity, you are uh, saying that it's healthy to do, to be at a certain size, or you're saying that like, I don't know, just all these different things. And what immediately comes up for me is this, like, I'm not good enough. I don't deserve Mm -hmm. to exist, which is so much of what limits us in general is feeling like I don't deserve to exist. So why even bother? Why, why try to even live my life? And it's just a reminder to me that 
that is not the place that I need to rest, that I can acknowledge that, that I can see where another person is coming from, that I can acknowledge that like the the medical industrial complex has fed a narrative where only there's only one way to be healthy and there's only one way to look healthy. And we're all just responding to that. So if someone says something to me about the way that I look or the way that they perceive my message, that's all just a response to this propaganda that has been spread for longer than I've been alive. Mm -hmm. So that feels like not my problem, not my business more than anything. And um, because there is also like I have so much underlying like family health shit that like other people don't know about. And that is a huge part of why I'm like in the in the wellness space to begin with, like why why take care of my body? Why, especially at this age, like why focus on these things? I mean, like my mom has congestive heart failure. My grandmother died of diabetes. My aunt died of a heart attack. Like all of these things are like, this is not just like bullshit statistics. Like this is real life that I've lived. And I recognize that like at this stage in my life, I want to be focusing on my health. And so I do. And it doesn't look like what... It doesn't look like what we've been taught healthy looks like. And mm-hmm. that is the part that I have to always be reckoning with that like, but it's the same thing that I've always been reckoning with. So like I grew up in a predominantly white community, like with like, especially working now in the fitness industry and in the wellness industry, like with people who really value like ableism and, um, and, thin uh, ideology and white heterosexual beauty standards. Like, I don't fit into that either. So in that same way, I'm like, okay, I have to own who I am, period, end of story. Like, and I can't make excuses for who I am or expect for anyone else to, like, be strong for me. Like, I have to own it. And so if I'm going to own it, that means that, like, I need to not be like at the whim of someone who is just themselves trying to figure out how they feel about the world and how they feel about themselves. And the more that I lean into that place, the more that I'm able to like actually listen to my body and learn what it needs and be more caring toward it and and do the activities that make me feel good and eat the things that make me feel good and find the patterns and the systems that really work for me. But definitely it's triggering for sure when people reach yeah. out. And I think that similarly to what you said, we've been sold this concept our entire lives. Um, and even a conversation I was just having with someone two generations above me and my family who has deep, deep, deep roots of diet culture that have spread into every generation below. Um, and having this conversation of a lot of the times these extremely thin people that have been praised as the goal are actually less healthy. I was just going to say they frequently have eating disorders. Like it's either eating disorders. It's either something is going on that's making them lose all this weight, anxiety, depression. Medically, there could be things going on. And it's 
honestly been a pretty eye-opening experience for me. Um, and I do want to touch on this because for instance, I gave birth a year ago. Um, Congratulations. and thank you so much. Yeah. And I would say that right now with, in a way that I'm un- entirely sure how it happened, I'm at one of my lower weights that I've been at. And I have never received so much positive commentary. However, Mm -hmm. I'm in a place where I actually do not want to be this thin. Mm -hmm. I'm seeking help from professionals to make sure that nothing is wrong. I'm Mm -hmm. seeking help from professionals to make sure that like, there's not something in my blood that's like going on that's causing this. Like I miss parts of my body and it's very confusing for people to wrap their mind around that because we have always been sold this thin is better mm-hmm. and it's not. Mm-hmm. This is a word, literally. I was thinking this just the other day because like I've lost a lot of weight since moving to California and there are a lot of different reasons for that, but uh, certainly a big part of it is anxiety and stress. And I was thinking about how like if you see someone go through like a major body transformation and a lot has changed physically, especially if they've gotten smaller, the first question is, are you okay? Like what is going on in your life? Because it's likely that something's up and there's so many ways that like, just like, like very subtly not eating or like just change. It's like eating is like the one thing that you can control. So it's like a way if you're an obsessive person to any degree, it's a way to like just fixate on something and be like, this is under my control. And just in reality, it's controlling you. Exactly. (laughs) But like having people be like, yeah, how are you doing is really helpful. Totally. And I was that person that was obsessed with food and exercise five-ish years ago, five, six years ago. Um, And that was another time in my life where the amount of praise and like, oh my God, what are you doing? You look amazing commentary that kept Mm -hmm. me doing this behavior. It was adding gasoline to a fire when it really should have been, are you okay? Which eventually did happen for my mother, but it's all just very interesting to me. And In this topic of conversation, I'm curious because it is something I don't want to say I struggle with, but it's definitely something that I think about Mm -hmm. as a thin, hetero, white woman. Mm -hmm. I am well aware that I should not be the face of the body positivity movement. Without a doubt, that Mm -hmm. is not my place. Mm -hmm. What I have a difficult time figuring out is I can also acknowledge and recognize that there are thin body people who fit the beauty standards and still struggle with their body from experiences that I have lived and from experiences that I have witnessed with friends and family. And I think it's a bit of a fine and confusing line to walk where it's like, I want to encourage everyone to love their body. Mm -hmm. And to find a way where they're comfortable and it's just not the focus of their brain because there's a lot more important shit going on. Simultaneously, I can completely understand how someone in a larger body Mm. could see me speaking on this Mm. and have the reaction of, yes, know your place, but more so, how would you even know? Totally. Yeah. 
It sucks and it's hard because we're all comparing ourselves against each other and it's just not beneficial. And I feel like there is a need for all human beings to come to terms with their physical bodies, to your point, because there's so much bigger shit that we have to deal with. Like there's so much stuff going on that it's just, but if you're caught up on your body, it's impossible to even think about anything else. So, but there's a need for conversations in every community. So that to me, it's like, it's not about who's the face of the movement. It's just like, what are we, how are we taking care of ourselves in community? Like, how are we finding each other? And like, thin people need to talk to thin people, fat people need to talk to fat people. It is true that body acceptance and body positivity and fat acceptance, fat positivity, all of that really came from specifically black fat teachers and thinkers. And that has been lost as the movement has become more mainstream and as it, and it's become very whitewashed and very gentrified. And I do think that that is something worthy of note and something that it's really imperative for everyone to recognize their role in supporting that like, like white hegemonic takeover. But that doesn't mean that thin white women don't need to talk to each other about body shit because like, how is there going to be like any kind of reckoning of like white privilege and white guilt and like the, and doing all of this other deep work that needs to happen if we can't start with that. So I feel like it's gotta, we have to move past a place of like trying to win, compete with each other about like who's, <laughs> I was gonna say whose dick is the biggest, but like whose um <laughs> no, literally. Whose strife is the hardest, you know, or like who has the, the darkest day. Well someone's always gonna have it harder. Yeah. Someone's like, that's always exactly right. gonna have it harder than you. Always. Every single time. And so if you can accept that and just say that like I'm no more traumatized than anybody else, then everybody just find your corner and and get find your people and like not focus so much on what everybody else is doing. Mm -hmm. What has your relationship been like with your body throughout mm. your life? Complex. We have been getting to know each other. I feel like at this stage, we are we know each other better than ever. But And now I've kind of come to a place of feeling like my body is the most expensive possession that I have. It's the most difficult it to is. replace and fix. Like it is, but it's just like a house or a car or an article of clothing. It's just a thing that I own during this lifetime. And so I have to take care of it the best that I can. But when I was a kid, I felt like my body was holding me back. And I felt like it was something to be ashamed of because I did. it didn't look like the way that I had been told beauty looks. Like I, I definitely came up in the like Jennifer Love Hewitt, Olsen Twins era, like 17 Same. How old are you? 10, 35 this year. Okay. So I'm about yeah. to turn 31. So very Hell similar yeah. upbringing. Exactly. Yeah. Literally. So it's like very much this like 
like thin, white, blue eyes, brown, blonde hair. And so I did what I could to try to look like that, even though I did not look like that at all. And that was like the first two decades of my life was trying to find ways to look like that. And then I spent a lot of my 20s really digging into the online wellness community and into the online nutrition world too. And some of that resulted in like, uh, different, like, like trying to change different parts of my body. I like got into running for a period of time was like really into different forms of exercise. Um, it did lead me to yoga eventually in like a roundabout kind of way. It led me to my yoga practice, which became about so much more than my physical body, but it also just was an outlet for me to like play with this idea of like, what is this body? And like, why, what, why do I have a problem with it? Because in finding the online wellness community, I also found like the online fat fashion community. And that really opened my eyes to body acceptance and to body liberation. And that has been such a guiding force in my life and like how I see everything really. And trying to understand that my body is okay today, exactly as it is, that there's nothing that needs to be changed in order for me to deserve to exist. Because that was a huge issue for me for the first two decades was like, do I even deserve to exist? Like I shouldn't, because I don't look like everybody else, maybe I should just fall off and die, like honestly. And so coming to a place of like, I deserve to exist because I'm here. And actually, no one else on this planet can do what I can do because no one else is in this body. So now that I can own that, what is that? What am I then capable of doing? And then it opens all these doors of like, I can do literally anything that I've ever wanted to do. But now I'm kind of getting to a place where it's like, okay. What does it mean to worship this body? What does it mean to sit in a state of praise and gratitude and to take every opportunity to make it the best that it can be? And that best doesn't mean what it looks like to another human being. It means how do I feel and how does it make me feel? And all of that is just like really juicy and fun and it makes me really happy. I love that for you. And I'm so happy that you were so vulnerable and sharing and that you are at that place right now. And totally, I'm wondering if you have tangible practices or pieces of advice for people who are maybe in that beginning stage that you mentioned, totally. who are hearing you speak and just wishing that this could be their reality. Because I was that person as well that was just constantly consumed with what I looked like and how flat my stomach was and how many miles I was running. And I feel so fucking liberated by giving up all of that. And I've never felt better in my body or more confident or more just, I don't know if it's at ease. I mean, having a child really changed everything for me because I bet like, it did. Mm. It like, and you know, you can't give that advice because a, not everyone <laughs> wants a child. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so like I can't, you know, and be t- fully in respect of some people are, are, are not able to. Not and mm-hmm. exactly. I think that like, while it was a huge awakening for me, it was more, if I really sit with it and unpack it, It's the fact that my body is awesome 
Whether yes, it's it. yes, yeah, like whether Ooh. it's creating life, delivering life, or simply getting out of bed or going on a walk or dancing mm. with friends, like I am so intensely trying to instill in my community, in my friends, in my family, the practice of gratitude and thanks and like simply awe of what we're able to do rather than sitting there and criticizing something that is the reason we're alive. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Okay. So much here. First of all, um, that is always my thing about childbirth is that it is this intense pushing a barrel up a mountain or like a rock or whatever the fucking metaphor is like that, like doing this thing with your physical body that like, there's no comparison for None. like, and that your body comes out on the other side different and you come out recognizing the this insane power that was always inside of you and there's no other way like short of the other compare the other thing that I always think like wow this is a really great way to love your body is to go through some sort of a catastrophic or traumatizing event like if you have That's some what sort changed of changed everything for me as well I yeah had like accident. Exactly. Literally. There's nothing like surviving some shit like that to be like, damn, I'm a pretty powerful being. And it had nothing to do that whole time. It didn't matter how much I weighed or what I looked like or anything. But it's really hard outside of that type of experience to really catalyze that kind of emotional undertaking. And I think even everything that you do, all the tips that I want to offer are just like, it's all just stuff that you do in preparation for these major life events that like require you to do it. Because um, I wrote about this a little bit in my second book, Yoke, My Yoga of Self-Acceptance, but I was in this scooter accident that happened so suddenly and was so had so many long-lasting effects. And when it was happening, I was just thinking like, damn, I guess my arms aren't that fat, actually. Like, And it's <laughs> this thing of like, wow, I'm worried about all this stuff that doesn't matter. But, um, but yeah, there are a lot of things that I have put in practice over the years that I still do literally every single day. And in some cases in every single moment of every single day that are a huge part of how I've changed the way that I approach um, my body image. And the biggest thing for me, there's two really big things. One is this idea of how do I look versus how do I feel? And the other is the company that I keep. So starting with how do I look versus how do I feel? There's this thing that happens when you look in a mirror where you and you're like looking at, let's say you like just got dressed for the day and you're looking at what you look like and you're just like, how do I look? How does this look? And when I ask that question, like, how do I look? I realize that I'm asking the projected voices of other people that live inside me. I'm asking like my mom, I'm asking my friends, I'm asking the magazines and the TV and commercials and shit. I'm asking them, how do I look? As compared to other people, how do I look? And that question is just always really troubling to me because it's always about other people. So there's been this shift for me of asking, how do I feel? How is this making me feel? So that when I'm looking at myself, I'm not asking for another person's approval. I'm asking for my own approval. And that's something that I end up doing literally every single day in some version. And it's something that like, it's just like a tape. It's a loop in my head that I play. And 
It does not always help and it does not always work, but the days that it does work, it do, it really does. And it just over time, and it's this another piece of this, another tip that I think kind of goes unsaid but shouldn't is patience and understanding that like it's all a journey and that it's like some days you feel bad and some days you feel good. And I actually think the days that you feel bad are better because they're teaching you more lessons in the long run. But like just recognizing that like it's a journey and the whole point of life is to change. And so it's I'm going to feel different as time goes on. But that is really helpful for me, for sure. But then the other thing that is so big and I think is harder in a lot of ways is the company that you keep. Because a lot of times, like, the people who are most negatively impacting your body image are the people that are closest to you, and it's the people that you love the most. It's usually your spouse, your romantic partner, like, that they say subtly shitty things about, maybe about themselves, not even necessarily about you, but, like, they say things about themselves or about you, and you're internalizing that, and it becomes a part of how you see yourself. Um, parents are also really big for this. Like, if you have a relationship with your parents, parents and they have a really strong relation, really strong feeling about their own body. Like, um, even my mother to this day will say things about her arms that I'm like, oh, that's why I hate my body because you hate your body and I came from your body. So if you hate oh, yourself, then I got to hate myself. Yeah. yeah. So it's like just looking at those relationships and then also like looking at your friends and what they say about themselves and whether or not they say shit, especially if they like shit shit talk, um, like people in the media or like if they're like, it's, you can notice it too on social media. Like, who are you following? Like, what are the things that you are ingesting? Cause that energy is all so powerful and really toxic negative energy will make it where you can't see anything good about yourself. But just focusing on those two areas, like how do you talk to yourself and who is around you and how are they talking about themselves? That can make a really big difference in how you see yourself. Oh my goodness. I have so many little things I want to pull from this. So Please. first the like, how do I look versus how do I feel? This is actually something I have been diving into deeply in my thirties, which is so interesting that you bring this up because I haven't really discussed it on here, but I would like to say, if I had to label my style, I would say elevated tomboy. Like I grew up wearing boys clothes to school every day until fifth grade. I would wear Fuck boys yeah. bathing suits and like the limited two t-shirts with like the stick figure, like soccer star, you know? Oh yeah, totally. And, yeah. And they were always my like best friend Drew's bathing suit. So I was like, always in boy clothes. And I feel most comfortable, my best where I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking hot. What, like what I'm wearing right now. I am in short ass biker shorts, a big oversized t-shirt and sneakers. Yes. And when I go out, this has been very interesting for me. And I did, I guess I spoke about this once on my Instagram stories. Sometimes especially lately, if I have heels on, I feel like I'm literally a kid playing dress up where I'm like, this is not me. I, I, I feel so weird. I don't look like myself. And when I go out in sneakers, I'm like, let's fucking go. Like it's a party. Yes. I'm like 
dancing all night. I am myself, but you know what it is? It's when I'm my most confident. And the other night, mm-hmm. my husband and I went on a date and I was wearing Air Force Ones with this like matching, like, you know, that like plissé set that's everywhere. It's like pants. I think it's called plissé. It was from Zora, mm-hmm. but it's like a Probably style. Don't know. Yeah. Whatever. It's Hell like yeah. pants and a top. And they're like, they look like pajamas, if we're being honest. It looked like I was wearing yeah. black pajamas and Nikes. But I thought I looked yes. amazing because I felt myself yes. and I was confident. And when we got to the place, my husband turned to me and was like, you literally have been getting checked out this entire walk. Like, yes. Go off. And oh I was like, you know what it is? It's because I'm fucking confident in this. And this has been so interesting for me. Like I've been going, I had two bachelorette trips this month. And when we're all getting dressed, it's my ideal outfit is different than Mm. what maybe my friends is. And also Mm -hmm. what I'm seeing influencers, quote unquote, my like whatever comparative people Mm -hmm. on social Mm -hmm. media wear. And when I consume social media, I'm like, oh, that's how I'm supposed to dress. Oh, that's what I'm supposed to look like. And I'm like, Mm. wait a damn minute. That's not (laughs) what makes me feel confident. Yes. Oh my God. It is so interesting to me. Oh my God. I so identify with what you're saying. And it's something that I've only like really been coming to terms with recently because like I, I had this whole thing when I was a kid where I was worried that I looked like a boy. And so it made me think that like, I needed to try to look like a girl, like this very specific idea of a girl. literally have the same thing. I have the exact so, same story I tell myself. <laughs> well, I'm, like, then, I'm a little okay. boy. Yeah. I was like, I was like, no, but like, I don't want to be a boy. I want to be a girl. So like, I like went hyper femme opposite direction. Then when I came out as queer, I realized this was like in high school. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, but people aren't going to know that I'm queer because, well, at the time I came out as a lesbian. So I was like, like, they're not going to know that I'm gay if I'm like carrying a purse. So I went through this whole period of like trying to find ways to make sure that people knew that I was gay. Now, as I'm like, like I'm queer, I'm like 35. I'm like, okay, first of all, I'm gay as fuck and it's very obvious to people and this is great. But also like there's so many things that I realize I've just been doing that like it feels like cosplay at a certain point. It's like this is not who I am. And like actually trying to understand like the binary is uh, it's it really it's only there if you feel like you want it to be there. For me, I'm not really that interested in the binary. Gender is fluid. So I'm like okay, what does it mean for me to let go of this idea that there was something wrong with who I was before? Like that there's something wrong with being, to what you're saying, tomboyish. Like that, and that I don't have to do or wear certain things just because it's like what my gender identity is supposed to be or like what I'm supposed to look like. And so what that ends up, what ends up happening is that I'll like get clothes to wear that when I put them on, I'm like, oh, I see how this is supposed to be sexy or cute, but I'm going to never wear this because it's not what actually makes me feel comfortable. And like, I end up, I wear a lot of leggings and heels because they make me feel like I'm like shit stomping. Like, I feel like it's like, like I can like get shit done. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But like, I don't feel like I need to wear a dress all the time. And just this past weekend, I went to, um, I went to a wedding and I wore a dress that like 
I would not, it was so floral and femme. And when I was looking at the pictures back, I was like, I look so random. Like, what is happening here? <laughs> Just like, what? And I'm like, I got to figure out what my pants look is for this type of event. Like, I didn't realize that this is not my vibe anymore. And like, I just identify with what you're saying completely. <laughs> it's so funny. And I will even, like, I have a few friends that look so cute in the like big floral dress. Like, they're only in dresses. And I'm like, that's what I have to wear as a woman or as a mom. Mom, becoming a mom was a huge thing for me where I'm like, oh, now do I have to dress like an adult? Like totally. And oh my goodness. it was, yeah. a, I mean, becoming a mom was an identity crisis on every facet of every level, but that was yeah. one of them. And I will order things and I'm like, okay, yes, I'm ordering this because this is what I'm supposed to wear, what I'm supposed to dress like. And then it will sit in my goddamn closet. And when I go to put it on, I'm like, I look like a freak. And it might look really good on someone else, but that's because it's what they want to be in. And it's the comp, it's all the confidence. It's so interesting to me. I mean, yeah, it's, it's really eye opening. Oh my God. I, I feel you so deeply. And this is, I'm like taking notes because I've been recently like trying to figure out like, what does it look like to transition into like, into parenthood and to actually be like thinking in this way. And so I'm like, damn, that is a whole thing that must happen. But it also just even like being mid thirties, I'm like, oh, these are the clothes that I'm supposed to wear now because like I'm right. a grown up now, you know? And then it's like, Nah, maybe not. Maybe maybe that's no. not for me, actually. Like, I joke all the time. I'm like, mom, I'm at the park. And I think people are wondering if I'm a kid or a mother. Like, <laughs> I don't totally. fucking know. But I also think going back to what you were saying of the people you surround yourself with, mm. first and foremost, I honestly think we're all just trying to heal our inner child. Literally. And yes. I think about this a lot when it comes to body stuff. My listeners know my mom has been open about this. You know, she suffered from a pretty bad eating disorder and there were definitely a lot of comments made in my childhood and upbringing. And we actually hit a point a few years ago where I said, I really want you to pay attention to the things you're saying about your body, Mm -hmm. because if you continue speaking to yourself this way, you will not have a relationship with my future children. And that's what changed everything for her. But also she is the most done up, gorgeous fucking diva. She will, like when we were kids, I vividly remember this. When we would go to the airport to go on like a family trip, she'd be in this like nice ass pantsuit and heels and like jeweled up blowout. And we would want to wear sweats. And she would always be like, you can't wear that. Like you have to look nice. And I think maybe that plays into it. I unpack this with my therapist a lot where I'm like, maybe it is me trying to heal the inner voice of my child wanting to dress the way I wanted and now being like, well, I can if I want. Oh my God. Yes. Yo, I feel you so deeply. I feel that way about um, mindful movement actually more so than um, anything else. Because when I was a kid, I just had this very clear memory of the presidential fitness test. I don't know if this was a thing that you did at your school. So much, yes. Yeah. So like I was the last one on the mile and I was so embarrassed and it made me feel like I'm not good at sports. Like I can't ever do this. And so like every field day, everything like like that, I would always try to like twist my ankle or be at, when I got my period, it was 
was like, thank God, now I can use this as an excuse. Like, I was always so like, I don't want to be seen um, being the slowest. It's total Virgo shit. Absolutely. Like, I don't want to be not the best. So I can come at it as a Virgo from the other end, as a lifelong athlete. I was like, I fucking love these days because I am the best. So I was like, let's go. It's the best day ever. Like, it's all about wanting to be the best for us. But it was such bullshit, though, because I'm like, like, I love moving my body, but I felt like I couldn't because I wasn't the best. And I, my father is, like, extremely athletic, has always been, like, he's always also always been really encouraging and supportive of my brother and I being athletic. But I was just like, whatever. He just wants to play softball and football all the time. I'm not good at it. But, like, I was good at it, but I just wasn't, like, confident in myself. And so now, as an adult, I'm like... I just like to do, I just like to move. Like, and it doesn't even have to be about being the best. It can just be, I'm moving because it feels good. And I liken it to like, when you're a kid and you're just like, like you would just run up the street just because it wasn't about winning or being the best. It was just like, this feels good. Like you just try to turn cartwheels all afternoon just because it feels good. And I feel like as an adult, I'm reclaiming that freedom of like, I can just do stuff because it feels good. It doesn't have to be about what it looks like to anybody else. I love reliving our childhood as adults. And I think that this is something that you find in your thirties because you're finally like, fuck it who the hell cares anymore you say cartwheels literally the other weekend we were all on the beach and to be fair i had taken mushrooms but we were just yes (laughs) we're hanging out and like it was me and my whole family like was with me they were not on them but we were doing like races on the beach like we used to do as kids my mom and i were doing cartwheels and i was like this is the best night ever like it was so enjoyable because we were I was acting like a child I love that so much are you in LA no I'm in New York City ah Uh, yeah very interesting but I actually environment makes a big deal is a big part of it oh yeah I don't do them here in New York um (laughs) yeah but there's a whole uh, actually this is a very easy segue into another conversation Mm -hmm. I wanted to have with you So I am, I guess, what people would consider California sober. I gave up alcohol Mm -hmm. four-ish months ago, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, But I am a public consumer of cannabis and have been for a long time. And, you know, we talk about trolls. People have a lot of opinions about moms. I was just going to say, as a mom, I can imagine. Totally. But like, if I'm for that ass. Getting drunk on a bottle of wine every night. No one's got a fucking issue. However, (laughs) God forbid I take a hit of a joint. Um, What has your journey with weed been like? And Mm. like, how has it helped you? Because I am a huge proponent of its incredible benefits that it offers. Oh my God. I am a cannabis believer a thousand percent. And I was not always, I used to be really prejudiced against weed because I felt like, I, I mean, even like, I used it a little bit in high school and a little bit in college. And I just felt like it was something for parties and like just for like social settings, really. And I I looked down on how I was when I was high. And then when I was in graduate school, one of my partners was really their daily weed user. And they were like, 
they just got me into it in a different way. And it was also linked with my yoga practice a little where like I would like hot box my car before going into like the hot yoga studio. And it was just like this whole other experience of the what practice. A, and a, whole, a deeper opening. Yeah. And it like it became something that I realized like especially with this, we keep coming back to Virgo shit. I really think there's so much link here because I know so many stoner Virgos and it's a lot of like, there's so much anxiety that comes from wanting to do the right thing and get it right. That like cannabis as a medicine just soothes that. It makes it okay to not know the answer or to just be in the liminal space. And to and just that fucking is, hit pause. Literally, and just, to just chill. literally be present. Like that's exactly right. Like just exist. be okay. Just be, and like that is something that I continue to struggle with. Like where it's on a daily basis, I use cannabis so that I'm able to be less anxious and just be present and not be so wrapped up in my own head. And especially like as an entrepreneur, having so many different hats to put on and so many different people to talk to in a given day, like it's really imperative that I be maintaining my endocannabinoid system and like really knowing what's going on with my body. And that is something that, you know, it's... I think that my relationship with weed has even evolved since moving to California. Like just having a better understanding of my dosage and what I like at certain times of the day. But I do, I use weed every day, all day. And it's something that is a huge part of how I'm able to be successful, I think, in my life. I could not agree more. And I love <laughs> finding people that are publicly like speaking on that also, because I think there's such fucking stigma around it that yes. I always do also like to remind people a lot of it is rooted in racism and exactly. there's a lot of unlearning to be done. Um, totally. Before we finish, I do want to get to one listener question that mm -hmm. I think applies oh, yeah. to what we were speaking about. Um, one of my listeners submitted, I feel imposter syndrome when my body doesn't look the way that the exercise quote unquote advertises it will look such as mm -hmm. long and lean and yoga and Pilates. Do you have any advice? Mm, oh my goodness. I feel like that's one of the hardest things about yoga and Pilates is that they have been so specifically associated with one body type. But ultimately, both of those practices are just leading you back to whatever your body is supposed to look like, which might not be long and lean and limber. Like that might not be what your body is meant to be. And ultimately what they're actually doing, because I kind of think of Pilates as like, less spiritual yoga like it's the same yeah. movements but it's just like not um so focused on spirituality but like all of that is just about accepting where you are right now and how you are right now and what it feels like more than anything so that if you're in a yoga class or a pilates class and like you feel strong and powerful and like you feel like especially when you're in a challenging posture or something is just like kicking the shit out of you, when you're able to survive that and look to the other side of it, that is so much power. That is the, the generative force of the universe. That is what builds mountains and beings. And that's why we're here. And so what difference does it make whether you're long or tall or lean or whatever? Like 
you're strong and everybody, each human being on this planet is so strong, so powerful. And it's really hard to remember that all the time because like we live in a world that wants us to feel bad about ourselves because if we feel bad about ourselves, then we'll buy stuff so that we don't feel bad about ourselves. So it's okay to be a part of that system. It's okay to have all of those feelings. And I think even that feeling of like not thinking that you're good enough is still a really important experience and that it's okay to have that experience too. Absolutely. And again, I can't necessarily relate from a lived experience, but I will say that for me mentally, something that's been so beneficial is finding instructors who are not pushing beliefs on what your body should or should not look like. And there isn't even body talk other than cueing actual moves and muscles that you should be feeling to make sure that you're doing exercises correctly. It shouldn't be 10 more for the bikini, you know, that (laughs) I'm immediately out of that. You know, I have never really, I've, I have definitely had teachers who are more um, intentionally accepting in their language and like that are trying to create an, inc- an inclusive environment. But I would say that I've overwhelmingly been to classes of all different wellness disciplines that are taught by people who have some sort of bias. Like they have some sort of idea about like what healthy looks like or what our body should look like. And the biggest tip for me with that is to establish your own home personal practice so that no matter, so that you can go into whatever environment and people can be on some like fat phobic bullshit and it really doesn't even matter to you because you're like you know where you stand and you know who you are and like if you have a home yoga practice or a home Pilates practice that makes you feel good and like maybe it's rooted in online classes that are taught by people who are intentionally inclusive but maybe not (laughs) maybe it's not maybe it's just you like you know, stringing the postures together and breathing and finding your own personal calm. And like, you can carry that calm into whatever kind of divisive environment you're in and it'll still stick. I think that applies for way more than just workout classes. That is the truth. We can end on that little nugget of wisdom. You have been so incredible to speak with. And honestly, just getting to know this was our first time meeting for listeners like this felt right away. I cried within the first minute. You let me air my shit. You were there for me. This has been a journey that I have loved every minute of. Oh my God. I feel the same way, Cameron. Thank you so much for having me here. Truly. You You are such a gift. Oh my goodness. For people who want more of you, where is the best place that they can support you? You can find me on Instagram at my name is Jessamine. You can practice yoga with me at The Underbelly and you can find us at The Underbelly Yoga. You can listen to my podcast, Dear Jessamine, my books, Everybody Yoga, Yoke, My Yoga of Self-Acceptance. And you can get all of that at jessaminestanley.com. Girl, you are good at that. You're like, oh, let me tell you. <laughs> I'm working on it. We're, we're working on it. 2022. Everything will be in the show notes. But Jessamine, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. I love doing this more than anything in the world. If you could be so kind as to rate and or review the show, share a screenshot on your Instagram story, whatever you feel like doing to show some love, I would really appreciate it. Obviously follow at Pod on Instagram and me at Freckled Foodie for more content. Thank you for being a part of the FF fam and I hope you have a wonderful day.